Welcome to the Pioneer Podcast, I'm Matt Richards, and we have a special episode for you. In this episode, I chat with Rich Wilson of Open Heaven Church and FusionMovement.org about his experience in Asbury. Rich just came back from Asbury College in Kentucky, and we talk a little bit about what he saw, what was going on there, and just the general feel of revival that was breaking out for almost three weeks there. So sit back, enjoy the watch or the listen, and we'll see you on the other side. Rich, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Good to be with you, Matt. So uh, can you give us a, a brief overview of who you are? Uh, just kind of describe, you know, your, a little bit of your upbringing, your, it, how you were raised in church, not raised in church. Yeah, sure. So I, um, I grew up outside Manchester, a uh, city in the northwest of England, um, and uh, in, a, in a small village, really, and was taken along to church, dragged along to church for some of my young adults, or, or sort of uh, kind of life as a, as a young person, uh, connected with God, but didn't really connect with church, and that was probably true all the way through to uni. Um, I had a few kind of what I call ignition moments or God encounters in my teenage years that kind of kept me curious and probably God-fearing, definitely God-fearing. Then I had a big encounter just before uni that made me very curious and realised that I was probably missing out on what the kind of Christian life was about I was still perplexed by church because I'd I was I grew up in a in an Anglican church and um, I, I'm grateful for that upbringing, um, but I, it wasn't explained to me what was going on. So I was quite confused about some of the the traditions and the rituals and uh, the sacraments. It just was over my head. So. Uh, but but something happened when I was 17 where I encountered the Holy Spirit and uh, a, a hunger developed in me and I was ready to leave home. I was I was restless uh, and uh, I think ready for a new adventure. And so I went away to uni, uh, to college, as they say in the States. Yep. And um, uh, I studied at a a leading sports university called Loughborough, which is in in kind of the middle of England, um, as far away from the coast as you can get, and um, kind of threw myself into to, to lots of things, but particularly some of the kind of Christian relationships, which proved to be very, very significant. And um, I think at uni I was able to then look at other church expressions, people from other backgrounds, and um, I kind of realised I was missing out on a whole lot. Um, so, so that was very formative, and it was the people I connected with actually in my first year that I would then go on to to journey with through my university years, and and, and the reason why I stay around in this small uh, kind of market town called Loughborough. Uh, which I I'm still in, uh, so I've been in Loughborough thirty thirty one years nearly. So um, so you said you were brought into the Anglican Church. Mm. Is that what you? That's what you're saying. You you know for was, your first experience. Yeah, I was I, I, I was taken to the Anglican Church from from being a small child. 
and to begin with, it was it was it was fun, and then there was youth groups. But the actual church gatherings were puzzling to me. The community was was pretty good. I made some friends there, and um, but then there was conflicts in my teenage years. I was like, why why is my dad? going to church why is he not interested why do i have to go <laughs> my yeah. mum was a strong-willed uh, evangelist and um i'm grateful for that but it was puzzling to me um and my dad did become a believer during my teenage years and i think by that time i'd figured out that it, it was probably a good thing to do but it still wasn't making lots of sense yeah yeah, I think I think that the teenage years like that you were talking about are very formative, and mm-hmm. when you have one parent that doesn't go to church and the other one does go to church, it's like, you know, it, it's almost um, being raised by a single spiritual parent. Um, in that in that fact, it's where because the household is one sided. Yeah. Your dad may have been a, may be a moral person, yeah. but it, it wasn't the the focus of of God and His principles and His His um, His um, kindness towards us uh, relayed in in a reciprocal way between your parents. It was Mom trying to, you know, input that into you, and Dad just kind of just sitting there, I guess. Yeah, and, and Mum was very deliberate. So she she would also be like Bible study notes. She'd make sure I had them since a very young child. So again, very grateful for that. But yeah. there wasn't there wasn't a a kind of a whole life spirituality at home, which is something that I, I value now. Um, that, that that's that's incredibly important. We can't just live off this kind of, the Sunday gathering. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that, I think that's been the sticky part. So I kind of stumbled into church leadership a few years later, but I think that put in me something around spiritual formation that has been yeah. huge for me. And and the, probably the dominant part of my adult life has been, what, what does this what does this formation look like? How do we do it? How do we do it alongside others, but also how do we take responsibility for it ourselves? Um, so that that's probably the the legacy of of some of that time that I didn't understand and didn't appreciate when I was a kid. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's super important. I think you know, like her spending that time and her seeing that importance, even though she probably didn't have full support, like you said later on, your dad became a believer. Um, mm. But the strength that she had to do that as a, as a married woman, but going to church singly with her, her son, because there's a lot of stigma that goes around that too, especially in certain religious groups of, you know, why is your husband not here? And you know, that, that, that whole mentality of the wife coming alone kind of can be in uh, some circles can be taboo in some ways where, Mm -hmm. why are you here? But your husband's not kind of a, a shaming thing. And that's, it's, it's um, it's amazing that your mom just, no matter what, just continued to push on and say, no, nope, I'm going to raise my son in, in the Lord and continue doing that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so then at university, I, I threw myself into all kinds of things. Um, I always thought, uh, actually, probably just before uni, I thought I'd be involved in mission, world mission. And so I ended up doing trips. I did a trip to Brazil. I did a trip to Israel, a month in Brazil, three months in Israel. 
Uh, before that, I did a football mission tour to Czech and Austria. And uh, I was just curious, and I was hungry, and I was ready for adventure. And I think the church had provided that, but God was saying, no, there is an adventure here. If you follow me, it is an adventure. That's uh, good. And then I caught, I caught up with... Um, this group of students in my first year who then stayed around in my second year to plant a church called Open Heaven. Uh, they'd encountered God in their first year, seen a lot of salvation, a lot of friends find faith, but then not connect with the local church. And so uh, there was a prophetic word they were given um, at a Christian gathering through, you know, the year before I arrived. Uh, about them starting a church in the Midlands for young people, led by young people. Um, uh, and so they stayed around. I think maybe there was quite a few who were interested to begin with, but it ended up being seven of them who stayed around, all moved into a community house. Uh, and it was when they did that that I was... I, I got... I, I, I guess the relationships developed, and it wasn't long before I joined them and joined in and discovered that church was people and relationships and uh, a much deeper discipleship journey. Yeah. And out of that, we'll have the odd gathering and meeting, but uh, there was something far more foundational. Um, yeah. uh, and it, it felt exciting and, and, and energizing. Church felt exciting for the first time in my life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And one of those seven was Ness. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So God worked. God worked uh, you into a, a good church for the last thirty years. But He's also you met your spouse at the same time. That's right. So I, I connected with Ness really early on at university. She was two years ahead of me, uh, but we became friends in the first semester um, and remained friends for the next four years. And then we started dating. I, 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 I never thought we, we were going to, you know, end up dating. It wasn't something I was looking for, but it happened. And, um, yeah, that, that's, you know, she, she took on the church a few years later. And it's actually yeah. our 25th wedding anniversary this week. Oh, so, congratulations. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the cool thing is, you know, being part of that early movement. Um, especially the students um, and uh, watching the students, you know, I've been in youth. We did, we started in youth ministry. Um, we actually did a youth outreach program in our, in our garage. We have a 20 foot, 24 foot by 48 foot pole building. And we started an outreach in our town of like a thousand people. And we would have, I think at the max, we had like 50 kids. Mm. I mean, on a, on a, small area we were reaching kids and people were getting saved and like watching that momentum that happens with the youth is incredible mm. Mm. I, I think churches need to learn how to um take that momentum that those kids have and channel it into the the movement of the church and i, th I think like mm. you said th that church was a, a youth run or a young people run church there was mm. there was never a resting on their laurels am i right no, uh, it was it, it was always kind of uh, high octane, um, lots of energy, lots of passion, yeah. um, uh, and, a, and a real sense that that God was working and moving, and yeah. uh, we were getting to play and join in. So um, I, I think that's why it felt like an adventure. Yeah, I, I think when 
we are in the timing and the season and the and the proper place that God has us. I think it's exciting to do ministry. It's exciting to do the the ministry of the of the church and to watch people's lives change and salvations and you know you know people's marriages are restored and you know people healed and I, I think that's the momentum that I think from the upper room we were supposed to continue to carry. And I think sometimes we lose that momentum in, in the, the everyday mundane things of, of church business, if you want to call it. And I think sometimes we need to retap into that energy. Um, now you were talking about college. Now you have a ministry and that is a fusion ministry. Now what, what is that ministry? Um, so it was while I was staying around to be part of this church in my uh, my graduation year that um, I, I felt God speak to me about students. We were a student church at that point, and um, I felt God speak to me about being part of a wider movement that I couldn't comprehend, I couldn't see, but it went very, very deep. Um, and then over the next few years, I connected with a number of other people around the nation who were also thinking something similar. And so I continued to hang around. Uh, and they were, they were leaders that I really respected, and it felt like God was drawing me into relationship with them. Um, and they were talking about starting something fresh in the UK, uh, which eventually was called Fusion, and it was based around small groups of students, led by students, overseen by local leaders, uh, designed to be missional and multiply on the campuses. Um, and I, I guess I hung around and got stuck in. But we were also doing what they were proposing in Loughborough. So the, our, our small church was kind of like a pilot. We were doing what was being talked about. So that was another reason why it was quite easy to join in. And so Fusion launched in 1997, and I went full-time with them in 1998. Um, and I've been with them ever since, uh, and uh, it's been a bit of a wild ride. Uh, in the early days, it, it did take off. Um, that they, I think there was such a gap and such a hunger for something slightly different, particularly in England and the UK, uh, that we saw these cells multiply quite quickly. Uh, and so within about five years, there was around... 500 uh, what we'd call fusion cells or fusion small groups wow. um, uh, uh, and it's only on looking back that I realised I was in the middle of something at the time I was just going with it and I thought this <laughs> this is normal but it, 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 it wasn't normal um, yeah. it, it was quite remarkable um, yeah, I, I, I'm looking at the, the fusion map right now um, you have a um, fusion groups fusion churches on almost every continent it looks like um i mean yeah yeah, the u.s is filled with them europe is just yeah there's thousands of them in europe and then you've actually got some in the middle east australia um yeah it's what you united arab emirates you have them in uh, so, so we, so, so they are what we call the student mission map. So we're okay. encouraging churches anywhere in the world to reach out to students. Um, so there's 
there's millions and millions and millions of students going through the world's universities and we think one of the most strategic ways in which we can reach them is if the local church is awake and alive to that possibility and they, they find ways of getting involved in student mission and not just delegating it to uh, other ministries. So that's probably what's unique about Fusion in the UK and, and in the US where we've, we've launched in the last couple of years. So we, we've got churches who've connected with us, but it doesn't mean we're working closely with them. Um, that, that, that we, that, that there's, there's an option on our website, if you're a local church, to put yourself on the student mission map. So if you like what we stand for, which is reaching students with the gospel of Jesus and helping them find hope in Jesus and home in the local church, then you're welcome to be part of the map. Um, yeah. And then for Europe, a lot of those churches are also on a app, a what we call a student link-up app, where students can go on and they can see the data of those churches, contact them, be, yeah, and, and, and message them. Um, and, and it works really well in the UK because that's where we've been. So over 2,000 of the churches are based in the UK, and that's where we've been based uh, for the last 25 years. So a lot of investment there. It's a small island. We've been able to network it repeatedly. We've begun to network parts of Europe. Europe desperately needs a move of God amongst students. Mm-hmm. And we've networked a number of churches, but we haven't got as many people on the ground in Europe. We've got some relationships so that side of things, um, the churches are on the map, but, but we're not necessarily working closely with them. Although we did send a couple to Spain during the COVID pandemic, and um, they've been there for two and a half years uh, looking to build something in Spain. Um, That's cool. Well, well what, how we've evolved over the years is we're still passionate about small groups, but we've, we've really sought to engage local churches in how they play mm, their part. Okay. So we, we don't have our own presence on the campuses. Where we've got to is we're, we've, we're serving local churches in how they can develop student mission and ministry. Okay, um, that makes sense. So, so we work broadly across the denominations and streams and with churches of all shapes and sizes. But there is a common denominator of, of, of basically wanting to see, you know, um, students reached with the gospel and discipled and, um, and I, I guess encouraged into leadership and into fullness of what God has for them. So, um, yeah, that 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 from the early days we've you know we were just the small groups, and then as we as we grew, we had to make some decisions about how we grew and what was the best um, structures and methods. And we're and we're, we're probably rethinking at the moment uh, how do we move forward because post COVID the landscape's a bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're committed to our core vision, but the landscape is different. And um, recent events uh, in Asbury has also provoked things, which I know we're yeah. going to talk about. Yeah. Now, I have a uh, one of my mentors is he's in I think he's 70 this year, somewhere in that area, 70, 71. And he was saying to me, he's like, I see in myself in the Jesus movement of the late 60s and early 70s, the same thing I'm seeing with this current university college age, you know, the the, the 17 to, to 24, 25 age um, young people out there. He's seen the same thing. He goes, our parents gave us everything. Mm. You know, the World War II generation, they came back, they gave us everything the boomers had. 
the uh, you know milk and honey flowing after World War II with the industry picking up and everything like that. He goes, I see, and he said this years ago. He goes, I see this generation being the next Jesus movement, boomer, mm. boomer style. Um, group of of people and i think we're starting to see that and i think uh you know we've seen little breakouts here and there but i think like asbury was one of the biggest things we've seen in the last three or four years of people and actually it might even be longer than that of people so hungry for god that they're willing to just flock to the, a small town in the mountains of kentucky yeah yeah um yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree that we we desperately need a new Jesus movement. Is what we've been talking about and praying about for probably the reason we started Fusion was because that's what we need amongst young yeah. people and young adults. Um, and 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 Asbury, um, I I would say we've not seen I've not seen anything like it in in my lifetime with regard to students. Um, okay. Uh, and and I think it's still really early days to say what exactly it is. <laughs> so so Matt, I ended up there a little bit by accident. I, I was never intending to be there. In fact, when I first heard about it, I, I wasn't drawn to it. Um, I felt a little bit frustrated, if I'm honest, that that it was a small Christian private university that God was touching down on. <laughs> uh, uh, and I had to do some yeah. repenting. Um, but uh, I, I was, I booked, booked my flights to Dallas about four months before to be with our first in-person U.S. board meeting. And uh, three days before I was due to go, uh, my accommodation fell through for the Sunday night. So I was literally going to be, only be there for three days. And my meeting's in in Dallas on the Monday didn't materialise so I had 24 hours and I just thought oh should I be going should I try and get to Asbury um, and it, that that was one of those thoughts that got stronger and stickier and wasn't going away yeah. and I bounced it off a few people And uh, anyway I got the last uh, seat on the plane out of Dallas to Lexington for a quick 24 hour trip um, and uh, once I made the decision, I was actually very excited by it. I felt, I felt God was setting it up. It did feel like, a, for me personally, it felt like a setup, uh, seeing it. But also there was, there was some bigger connections that I've since become aware of um, that, would, that are quite extraordinary, really. Um, yeah. So, so, so what, what I knew when I was in Asbury was that the people around Asbury, there's the, the, the leaders who are kind of hosting and holding the space were connected to Asbury Seminary. They were also connected to the New Room Conference, to a project called the Awakening Project, and to Seedbed Publishing that came out of Asbury Seminary mm -hmm. uh, 12 or 13 years ago. And our fledgling movement uh, of fusion in the U.S., had connected with all those groups uh, <laughs> for, for <laughs> uh, whatever reason. Um, we'd been drawn to them, so we were helping at the Awakening Project. We were speaking at the New Work Room Conference, and we'd just published five of our resources through Seedbed Publishing in September. Um, so that was just like, God, this just seems a, 
just a bit too much of a coincidence. What's going on here? Um, so that felt it felt well. It felt reassuring. It felt humbling. Uh, 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 and 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 the, the leaders that I met and I'm getting to know. I'd met a number of them. I think I'd met four of them on Zoom calls in the previous year who were involved in in in, in what I call the outpouring. I think that's my favourite way of describing it at the moment. Something's been poured out. God's done something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has spread to places, but it remains to be seen exactly what will come of it and what the stories will be. Um, and then I was with uh, four of my team who were all at Asbury for, for various parts of the outpouring over the last few weeks. Um, Two were based in Texas. One are ones in Florida, and ones in Chicago, and they were all there. And actually, they were already connected <laughs> to Asbury in different ways through these different projects, the Awakening Projects, and the publishing. And um, it it was it was great to be with them. And, and one of them, uh, one of them, a guy called Mikey, I'd only met uh, on Zoom six months previously. And we'd only bumped into him as fusion in, in the US uh, less than a year ago. But oh, wow. he had been but he had been running fusion in the US for the last seventeen years. And the reason why he'd been doing that uh, is because he'd been mentored by a guy called Dave Short, who I connected with in, in early two thousand. And Dave came over to the UK and took our resources, our ways of doing things, said, Would you mind if I did this in the US? And we're like, Absolutely go for it. Uh, and the last time I, well, the last big connection I had with Dave working with him was in 2008 when we tried to launch Fusion in the US. We went over, we tried to raise some money, it was an absolute failure. And we decided, Okay, we'll, well, we'll just, we tried, we'll, we'll leave it. He went on and did Student Alpha, and we continued. Um, but he'd sown all his seeds, he'd done all his training, and, and Mikey was one of the guys he'd done some training with, and so for the last 17 years in Texas, Mikey's been running these fusions, fusion small groups year on year, and wow. been raising up leaders, those leaders have just ended up all over the place. Um, one of the leaders he raised up was a guy who, who ended up going over to Asbury to plant a church that didn't quite work out eight years ago but then got involved in the college and campus ministry. Uh, and he was, he, he was training the students in some of the fusion values, the core values, and it was, the, it was those students who stayed around at the end of Zach's talk um, uh, in, 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 in the chapel. So it, it, it's really interesting, isn't it, how how kind of things kind of come round and go around and you've got no idea um, what seeds what seeds get planted, what seems like failure um, yeah. is actually sometimes just dormant or it's just happening without us having any knowledge of it or clue of it. And I don't think we're claiming anything, but I just feel like it's, it's just good to know that God, um, God lets Works us in it. on a few yeah. things. Um, yeah. It's always working in the background, whether we realize it or not. Yeah, and, and we're such a small outfit. We're so we're so tiny, you know. Um, um, but but for me personally, and, and I and I think 
that, that's also the spirit that I encountered in Asbury. There's, there's a humility to it, there's a hiddenness to it, there's uh, a gentleness to it. Um, uh, and, um, and it makes me think that God's up to much, much more than we realise. So I'm, I, I'm really yeah. praying that Asbury, um, when we look back and the history books are written, that, that, that it does mark something of a, an awakening. So there's a revival in the church yeah. that needs to be more than a few weeks and a few months. We actually need something to burn for decades. Uh, and yeah. Um, yeah, I've got got a few thoughts on on that going forward. So going back, you said um, the beginning of, of talking about Asbury. You said to me, um, I heard it was going on in a small Christian university, and you were kind of upset about that. Can you can you? I think I kind of know what you're thinking, but can you can you expound on that a little bit? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm at the place now where I have a very honest relationship with God. <laughs> uh, I, I wrestle things out, and uh, I look him in the eye, and, yeah. and eventually I yield because um, that's the way it works. <laughs> um, but, but, my, but, but my wrestle was, God, we're in real problems here. And, yeah. um and we've been going after this for 25, 30 years. And is this the best you can do? Have you, have you seen the state of Europe? I mean, have you yeah. looked recently? Is this really where we need the outpouring? Is this really where we need things to kick off? So, yeah, I was mad. Um, being really yeah. honest with you, Matt, I no, was fuming. I, no, I, I understand that. I... You know, I wasn't. I wasn't cynical, but I was. I was mad. No, but yeah, and I. Th- I, I think I, I. I know where you're coming from. You, you watch what happens in the communities around you and in the yeah. culture around you, and yeah, all of the things that are now happening in our culture in the last couple of years of of just everything you can possibly think of it being okay now, and you're like, God, yeah. why is why uh, why are you not raising up more? you know, evangelist, why are you not raising up more revivalist? And, and I think he is, but you can look at it and go, what are you, do you, why, why are we not cha- seeing change? Um, mm, and it yeah. does get frustrating sometimes to, to watch, you know, you know, this dealing with young people, you might retain 10% of them into mm. a local church by the time they're done with university, or they might, mm. You know, it, because they go out and, and, and they might come back to church later, but to keep them in church, mm. it's it's hard. I mean, we, we, we saw probably 200 kids come through our youth program when we were doing it. And right now we have four of them. Mm. And those four are either in some kind of higher leadership in the church or are picking up more responsibility in the church. Um, Mm. But they started at 15 years old and now they're 30, you know, late twenties, early thirties. But, you know, it's frustrating to watch all these kids come through and and get born again and, and start walking. And then as soon as something happens in the family or something happens in Mm. life, they, they just kind of flounder away. And it's, Mm. it's hard to, with young people because you can't disciple all of them, especially in yeah. youth ministry or college age ministry. It's hard to disciple them 
because they've got yeah. so much else going on. And and I can understand yeah. where you're coming from. Like, God, why would you, why is revival breaking out in a, in a church in the middle of nowhere, a school mm. in the middle of nowhere? We need it in, yeah. you know, L.A., New York. We need, we need these large, you know, cities to be changed for you. So I can understand that. And yeah. I've, I've had those <laughs> questions and those, you know, conversations with God. And I just have to say, well, you're still sovereign. You're still God. And mm. you know better than me. So it's just kind of resting in yeah. knowing that he is God in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what I picked up in going there was very, very helpful because the the meeting really wasn't that remarkable. It, it yeah. wasn't intense. It was very gentle. Um, yeah. That's what it, everybody said. I, it, I've watched uh, yeah. like some live streams and stuff like that. And it was just a very calm. It wasn't a charismania or a, you know, a crazy everybody running around and, and hooping and hollering. It was just yeah. like uh, uh, the Holy Spirit just resting on people. It just, I, I, I kind of watch, I watched probably a good 20 hours of it. Mm. And it kind of seemed to me like it talks about in the gospels where when Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit comes down to him and rests on him, like in the form yeah. of a dove. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's what Asbury was. It, it, and correct me if I'm wrong. No, I think that's what it was. And I think, you know, the, 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 the questions I, I'm, I was asking a little bit during it and, and afterwards was, well, what, what next? What does that mean? Yeah. What is God telling us? What, what, so I see Asbury as a, as a sign and a provocation. Um, not, I didn't even go to, to, to pick something up. I wasn't, that wasn't in my mind to, to go and catch it and bring it back. Yeah, um, I, I was more curious. God, what 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 are you saying here? What are you doing? Uh, because because the the spiritual temperature has been ra- rising in the UK anyway since post, yeah. kind of post COVID. Um, but I think one of my takeaways was that God wants to do in settings all over the place, all over the world, probably what He's doing in Asbury. And you yeah. don't need any clever ingredients to do that. Um, you, you just need a bit of space. Uh, and, and some of it, for me, was I just think the Father wants to, to, to heal people um, internally. So, so this epidemic of anxiety and mental health that has swept across the Western world, in particular in the last... 10 or 15 years is, is, is now properly out of control. Uh, the drugs, the pills don't work. Yeah. The mindfulness gets you so far. But I, I, just, I just sense that God's saying, I, 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 I want to get involved in this now. Yeah. But you need, yeah. to, you need to prioritize me and you need to position yourself a little bit differently. So, so for me, there's, there's, there's three rooms um, that, that we need to pay attention to at the moment as a church. The first is that kind of Asbury-type room, which I think is like the upper room. And, and in that space, I think Jesus just wants to meet people. Yeah. And, it, and it could be a place of salvation. I think if we invite non-Christians into those spaces, they're going to encounter God. But it's not the indulgent um, Holy Spirit time of maybe the Toronto um, back, back in the 1990s. It, it feels like it, it is consecration. It is surrender. It is, uh, I'm not right, I need God, I need God's help. And um, 
are not doing something in us which is good in and of itself but it it, it will lead to a number of other things if this has got legs on it <laughs> and so how do, how do we help a generation come down off the mountain and, and, and take what they encountered in the upper room into other spaces and there's two other spaces or two other rooms that they need to to again pay attention to and, and take it into the other is the inner room how does this fuel the daily uh, communion with God uh, where the father affirms identity and, 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 and there's, yeah. a, there's a depth and a growth in, in our personal walk with Jesus um, yeah, I, th- I think identity is, is a huge part of it that um, and what we're seeing that uh, like you were speaking about a minute ago is uh, the mental health crisis has gotten far past depression and taking pills it's it's turned into sexuality of, of all this stuff that's going on with sexuality now too and it's be and it's it's just getting deeper and deeper we're going down this rabbit hole of of identity crisis in such huge ways now that people don't even know the how god made them let alone their identity in him yeah 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 the the the, the culture and particularly the young people and young adults that 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 they're surviving on junk they're eating rubbish and it's no wonder it's making them ill and one of the reasons they're eating rubbish is because the church isn't giving them bread (laughs) wow that's really good i mean it's true though i mean they they find more you know satisfaction scrolling through you know social medias than they are when they come to a a sunday gathering or a wednesday gathering or midweek or whatever So so the upper room, the upper room, the Asbury room is a place of repentance. I think there's a lot of realigning, um, recalibrating that God wants to do in the Western church, particularly the Western church. We're we're out of whack with uh, a lot of his agenda. Um, And and it's only when we spend some time allowing God to speak to us about some of these things and and heal us of our own hurts, but also um, deposit something more of himself in us. Yeah. And then if that doesn't lead to a deeper devotional life, then something's not quite right there as well. But then that outer room, if the upper room and the inner room does not lead to an expectation that God wants to use us every single day to help feed, feed a starving world that is trying to feed itself but is getting really messed up on its own diet... So, so for me, the, this 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 is what I believe God's doing, and it's not. So it it's been going on for some time, but as is a proper provocation for us to get with God, and a, and a gentle invitation and a gentle correction uh, before we get a maybe a more dramatic correction. Um, but I think God's given His church a chance to yeah. to come with Him at this point, um, yeah. uh, and to really pay attention. To, to what he wants to do and what he's saying for the sake of the world so the yeah. so so it's not an indulgent thing if this if if down the line if down the weeks and the months and the years there's not stories that come out of this that then meet some of the needs of our neighbors and our towns and cities then um it's a fairly self-indulgent revival but if yeah. if actually what it sparks is is a movement and an awakening 
Um, yeah. And we might not know for five or ten years, but I, I think, for me, that's what I'm hearing the Holy Spirit say. This is the direction of travel. This is what I'm doing in this setting. Uh, and these are the, uh, these, the, these are the other places that we must anticipate uh, encounters with God and being used by God. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's much bigger uh, than just a, uh, a phenomenon um, in the moment. Yeah, I, I I agree. I, what you were saying about there's that that outer room, that inner room, or the upper room, that correction, and our hearts turning back to the Father. Um, you know, I went to sleep listening to Asbury them worship a couple <laughs> nights. I would just have YouTube on, and there was a stream from it. I don't know what day it was, but my wife and I just laid in bed and listened to it for an hour before we went to bed, and it was just. There was something about the Holy Spirit that was just, I'm almost breaking into tears about this, but something about him just soothing and calming and saying, I'm here, you can come back to me. Yeah, yeah. And and it wasn't a repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, uh, or sinners in the hands of an angry God um, call. It was was a gentle pull on the hearts of people. Yeah. Watching some of uh, and listening to some of the testimonies and watching, you know, some deliverance that was happening on the floor, you know, mm-hmm. they they thought they had to call a medic for one girl, or mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I'm sorry, it wasn't girl or boy, but mm-hmm. they had to they th- call a medic and like guys like no, don't call a medic, and they they did deliverance for her or him mm-hmm. on that floor laying in between the pews, and, yeah. and God was doing something and uh, watching the the people getting healed and watching. Uh, people getting saved and people coming back to God saying, I've lived my life outside of that, mm. of what his, his plan for me was. And it was just, for me, I was in tears sometimes listening to what they were singing, what they were praying, talking about, because I felt like it is the, it is the catalyst for what's going to happen. Mm. Um, I don't think we like I, I, I've read about the the first and second great awakenings that happened in England in the U.S. and mm. and I, and I they didn't really know what was going on until six <laughs> months later, a year later, and yeah, you know, and then generations later they call it the great awakening because people's hearts were turning back to the Father, and yeah. it was a repent, repent now, you know, uh, D.L. Moody style sermon of a, a little bit of fear mixed with the goodness uh, with the, mm. the love of god but mm. to watch asbury i'm mm. like I, I told my wife i said this is the start of something i said whether it continues on or if the people there carry something that has been implanted into them by the holy spirit whether it's the <clears throat> repentance that they came to it's the mm. the turning back to god it's the mm. it's the deliverance that they received there's some there's seeds going out all over the United States, all over the world right now. Yeah, yeah absolutely, and it's all it's affecting every gathering I've been in in the UK yeah. is, is different since Asbury. Yeah, that there was already a, and, and there, was it, it a, ha- there was a direction of travel, but 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 and it, and it, and you didn't need to you don't need to have been to Asbury to then meet with other Christians to have a different gathering because that's what God yeah. is doing. Um, yeah, it, it's been different. I think for everybody I've talked to that's even seen what's going on in Asbury, it's mm. been different. It, 
it, it, it wrecked me. It wrecked me a couple of days. There was just times I was sitting at work typing out, you know, yeah. things and emails to colleagues and mm. I'm, you know, in IT and I'm like, and I'm just like, I'm hearing this and I'm, I'm almost in tears because God is just doing something in me by listening to what he's doing in that place. Yeah. And I love that. I love the fact that people didn't, don't need to go there to pick up what, what God is doing and wanting yeah. to do everywhere. Yeah. I, I honestly believe that. I don't think there's a, a secret passing on of a, a kind of a let, you know, a laying on of hands. You know, I just, uh, that's, that's, that's not how it's working. It's, no. Any, anyone whose heart is hungry and being pulled towards the father at the moment, that's what seems to be happening. Yeah. And what I love is it was a very conservative denomination in the most part, um, mm. in the middle of nowhere, yeah. kind of out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. I, I listened to the first, uh, that message that I think Zach, you said preached yeah, exactly. before they all, they all just tarried there. Yeah. Nothing in that message would have said, Oh my gosh, this is the best message I ever heard. It was just straightforward. It was simple, but it's stirred in the hearts of the people that were listening. And I think that's that's where revival starts is when it stirs in the hearts of the people that are hearing yeah. what God is speaking. Yeah, and, and that's a relief as well, isn't it? That it wasn't like a, a, he didn't hit it out of the park with that message. In fact, he, he didn't actually prepare it. He was on the run. He, he hadn't got around <laughs> to doing proper prep. And yeah. um, isn't it funny how God uses things yeah. and uses situations and you know all he did was show up he still showed up <laughs> yeah that's yeah. what he did he, I, he showed up yeah i think that's key though i i think you know like there there's times where i'll be sitting in the service and you know uh, my wife gets up to speak or i'm up to speak and and mm-hmm. during worship and god I'm like god whatever you want i said i you know we, we try on our own to create movements and and to create momentum and i'm like i just said to god i said i don't care what you want i don't care whatever you want to do you do it i'll just go with it i'll just ride ride the wave of it it doesn't yeah i i don't care i i've gotten past the the point of trying to care what people even think about our church anymore or (laughs) how i am because it's like yeah, you know, I, I I lost that a while ago, but yeah. I'm like, we just have to. I think it's it comes from a, a complete surrender to him. You know, I think the 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 mindset of Asbury was the surrender of our hearts to him, and, and then just allowing him to do what what he wanted to do with them. I think that I think if there's a summary word, I think I think surrender is the summary word. Yeah, for, for Asbury and. It's the language that has been adopted all around the place. Um, yeah, it, uh, and, and I and I I connect with your where you're feeling and where you're positioning yourself as well. I think I think uh, the desperation and the hunger is overriding. Yeah, maybe some of the other metrics and things we were bothered about in the past and. Um, there's a recklessness, yeah, I, a healthy, godly, holy recklessness that is maybe coming on quite a few of God's yeah. people now. 
Um, you were. I, I want to go back to that. You said we were talking about the uh, upper room, the inner room, and the outer room. Mm. That outer room. That. Can we go? Can you dive back into that a little bit? I want. I. I think we need to. I feel like we need to re, retouch on that because that's. I think is. The upper room is for us. The inner room is kind of for us, but the outer room is is where we move out from our own sphere, yeah. of, our own in, internal sphere of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's, it's language that I am, I'm, I'm just developing. So I, I, I just kind of, that's just the way I see it. I can, and I feel like, I do feel like it's, a, it, it's, it's some God language that will be helpful for certainly me <laughs> to, yeah. to navigate how I, move forward and, and actually how I how I want to move the church forward um, in the coming weeks and months and how I want to move fusion forward in the coming weeks and months um, that th- 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 this has to have some touch points uh, and and I think part of the desperation is God we, we really need your spirit to lead us and guide us and mm-hmm. and there's a reality to to that. Um, and there's a there's a hunger and desperation in the world, but we have often been a bit too timid to engage in that, uh, and maybe maybe a little bit of sleep. We've not really recognised what you're doing. Um, so <laughs> I, 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 I met, I've got a new good friend who I invited to hang out with my with the international fusion team, everybody this last week. And, um, he's got a strong prophetic gift. Um, and, and he was just doing a little bit of teaching on the prophetic and, and how, when Peter stood up, he quoted Joel and Joel said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, not just the Christians, all flesh. Yeah. Um, so God is working um, all over the place, <laughs> and uh, and then he did a little bit of teaching on dream interpretation, um, because he's someone who sees, uh, he leads people to Jesus regularly, sees people healed regularly, and interprets people's dreams regularly uh, mm. on a on a weekly basis. All those things will probably happen. Um, uh, so he's a good provocation because <laughs> yeah. if if the whole church were maybe ready to be used by God um, like that, then we'd be in a different place. And so, and and, and we've noticed um, more people coming into churches who, who have had dreams, and that's what's led them there. Yeah. And then yeah, people have actually made it through our doors. But he's like, there's thousands of people wandering around our streets who have had dreams. Um, where God is either trying to get their attention or the enemy is trying to hold them in bondage. Yeah. Um, You're 100% right because um, my wife just published a book in the last three weeks about dream interpretation. (laughs) And God's been speaking to her about this for years. She has like four books in, in the back. Uh, mm. back area to go and we just we just released it two weeks ago and and uh, like but the the thing is is it, it she actually had a dream about asbury three months before it happened 
Mm. She, she said God's going to pour his, his spirit out into a university. And, and I don't remember all everything she was telling me because she usually mm. tells me when she's up in the morning, I'm just waking up so I don't quite, I'm yeah. not totally there yeah. yet and comprehending stuff. But um, yeah, the, the dreams are, 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 you are 100% right. Th- there is something happening. Um, I, you know, God has been revealing himself to other religions in a, in a physical way. And, and mm-hmm. we hear stories about the Muslim world being Jesus showing up in front of them and saying, yeah, and, and repentance. But I think what's yeah. happening now in the Western culture, there is something happening. And when it said your, your, uh, your old men will dream dreams or yeah, I'm sorry. I'm yeah, yeah. probably, I, I, there's something happening in our world right now that God is focusing on because my wife said there's an urgency to release this. When yeah. We were, when she, after she had finished ri- writing it, she said, I need you to get this taken care of for me. And I'm like, yeah. okay, but the, you are right. There, there's something huge in the world right now. And God is using dreams to draw people to himself. So that's just one example of being alert to the spirit in the, in the outer room. Um, yeah. Some of it is, is just cups of cold water. Some of it is um, how we talk about Jesus. Some of it is the invitation to meals. It, it, it's, yeah. it's just that bigger awareness that, that he's moving and he's wanting to move with us and through us um, uh, uh, and, and instill some boldness. And I think the upper room and the inner room are designed to propel us just like we were, just like the upper room in Acts, yeah. they were propelled out. We, we're not designed to stay in the upper room. We we need the upper room to get what God wants to give us. And at the moment, yeah. I feel like it's significant for our our healing. You know, so it's such a broken world. But if the church is just as broken as the world, we've got nothing to offer with regard to healing. So That's true. So we, we need to know what it is to be healed up by God. Not, 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 not in fullness, but enough to, to have known the comfort of God, the peace of God, to God to have reframed our wounds, to have made them sacred. Yeah. Um, if we're going to help tend to the wounds and the brokenness and that, the, the parts of people that are crushed and shattered in the world. So I think the upper room is, is about a number of things. I, I'm going to actually do some more writing on this, Matt, because I feel like yeah. it's, it, it's important understanding and strategy for, for, for understanding what God is doing at this time with us and, what, and then what he wants to do with us. Yeah. Um, so some people are absolutely ready to go. So my friend's been ready to go for years, and he's, he's doing this, and he's, you know, he's in psychic fairs, and he, does all, he has all kinds of fun. Um, uh, listening to God and revealing the heart of the Father to the person yeah. in front of him, um, but 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 the outer room is that it's that broad field that we all we all get to play in, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's our workplace, our streets, our neighbours, our, our sports clubs, our leisure spaces. Um, God wants to be just as involved, but in a different way uh, as to when He's involved in the upper room and the inner room. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and I think we can anticipate more more stories of that. They might not, but they're going to be more, you know, hopefully in our locality. That's where it needs to happen. It needs to happen around us. It needs to happen around uh, those of us who feel like God's waking us up. And um, Yeah. I, I, I think what you just said about God waking us up, I feel like... Um, 
he's saying, you know, like he said, a Waco sleeper. Mm. And I feel like for a generation, the church has been asleep at the wheel. Mm. Um, and, and I'm not condemning anybody. I just feel like we've, we've rested on what we knew about God instead of yeah. discovering more about God. Yeah, we've just re- 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 oh, this is what we learned about God. Instead of going to Him and finding out what, even more about Him that our the generation before us didn't know. Yeah, because He sa- it says He hides His His in His secrets for us to discover about Him. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is a gentle nudge. You know, Asbury was a gentle nudge of, "Hey, wake up! I'm doing something. Can you yeah. can you see what I'm doing?" Yeah. 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 I, 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 I feel it's, it's quite simple. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. But it is, yeah. And so Asbury for me, again, was a sign. And we need to pay attention to signs and get curious about them, not stop at them. But yeah. where's it, what's it pointing to? Yeah. What's it telling us about what God's intentions are at the moment? Uh, uh, which, I mean... which direction must we travel in? Yeah, I think I, I think what happened is the people that went there and God did something in their life, revival happened inside of them. And I think that's where it has to start first is that, that call back to God, that call back to holiness, that call back to him as our priority. Yeah. And and when we do that, he sends, I mean, yeah. he sent, you know, 12 revivalists out from the upper yeah. room. Yeah. to reach thousands of people within days. And I think yeah. I think if you went to Asbury and you were hungry for something and God touched you, a revival is in your DNA. The revival is in our DNA as, as believers anyway. Yeah. But I think that they got a, an extra little bit of a push to take revival. And it, like you said before, it may not look like Asbury, but I think God is doing something in everybody that was mm-hmm. there. And the mm-hmm. people that want to, it may be years, like you said, but I think we're going to start seeing something. I think we're going to see our young people start to, to turn to God. And I, I are, we're already mm-hmm. starting to see it. The, there's other universities that God is, is starting to take over California and Ohio and Indiana. Mm-hmm. And, and God is starting to do something great. Uh, I pray that is the case. And, yeah. um, and and that and that there is that stamina to to go to start well, um, yeah. You know, but also to do the next bit well. Uh, yeah. it's, it's easy to start well, and I guess that's where the mothers and fathers, that's where the Asbury gatherings were handled with such maturity and humility. That there was there was lots of elders. Um, true um, spiritual mothers and fathers in the space yeah. who, who were holding it and protecting it. Um, and that's also a call on the church for how this moves forward yeah. in, in, the, in the different places. Yeah. Um, so, how we, so how a, we steward things. It's a generational call um, yeah. to, to move forward. But it, I do think it's centered on young people. And I, I do think... Um, well, as you get older anyway, I think if you're switched on, you, d- you are thinking, how do we bless the next generation? Yeah. We're not hopefully still thinking about ourselves in the same way. How yeah. do I get ahead? And, you know, <laughs> we, we're hopefully thinking, how do we bless and impart yeah. and, and help the next generation go further? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. I, I think, I think we've, um, there was a, a phrase that I saw from somebody who attended Asbury and they said, the older generations want church for a time of ministry, you know, for them to be ministered to. And it said the younger generation doesn't wonders why they want that because they want a time to minister to the heart of the father. Mm. And I think we need both. But yeah. I think sometimes yeah. we've, we've lost our, lost our, um, way a little bit in the time of ministry for people instead of ministering to God. I, I spoke about mm-hmm. it a couple of weeks ago about mm-hmm. we, we get into worship and we're, you know, we're raising our hands and we're God, you're so good. And then something comes to mind that you need and you're like, Oh God, I really, I really need you to do this for me. But mm-hmm. I, I think our, our, the highest call we have is to minister to the heart of the father. Mm-hmm. And I feel like watching the, Asbury, I think that's what they were they were being called to do, and that's what they were doing is, yeah, ministering to God, and then watching God ministering to them mm. out of that out of the outpouring of what was happening in there, instead of them going to God and saying, worshiping God, saying, "Heal me, heal me, I need this, I need this." Yeah, it, was, yeah. it wasn't a reciprocal worship; it was a, a one sided worship. And but God still shows up in our praises, and He still yeah. showed up and healed I, people. I, I, and that's why I think the surrender is at the heart of it. Yeah. Because 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 the surrender is giving up to God. Here you go again. Have, have all of me. Have. Yeah. You know. That's um, hard sometimes. Mm, yeah. But 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 then in being in that space, we can't help but be impacted by that which yeah. we behold and we gaze on. Yeah. It, it, it's impossible not to be. It's just a. It's just a fact. <laughs> it's written into the laws of the universe that if you hang out with God in that way, you're going to be changed. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's evident through Scripture. You look at it. Yeah. Moses didn't even see God. He just saw uh, the yeah. tail end of his glory, and it changed him. The woman uh, with the issue of blood touched literally Jesus's clothes, the hem of his yeah. garment, and yeah. didn't even have a physical touch by Jesus, mm. but. Both of those people came into the glory of God in, 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 in a small way, and it, it left them changed forever. Yes. yes, yes, yes. So we need more of that, Matt. We need more of that. We do. We do. Is, uh, it's, it's exciting to see. Um, I, I'm so glad I, I get to be alive to see this because I'm, uh, we get to see what's going to happen as this is maybe the start of something or the seeds are sown of something. And, you know, I, I'm glad because I, I feel like as I get older and my kids come into, you know, adulthood, they're, you know, I got one that's married, one that's graduating. I feel like they're going to be able to take out, mm-hmm. take this next generation and just to steward this next generation. And, and my grandkids will, when I have grandkids, they'll be able to, have a uh, an understanding of who God is, and, and mm. we'll be able to to follow Him. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I I feel like we we're, I'm I'm almost honored that I got to watch what happened mm. because a lot of people don't see this in their lifetime. No, we, we've I, we've seen different things like the Toronto blessing mm. and the Lakeland, Florida, but they, they're nothing like this. 
and as well, Matt, you, you were paying attention enough to watch because there's a whole load of Christians who who were still like, yeah, um, yeah. That's that's that. It is true. I struggled with that watching some of the comments online with people and people that are well known or influential yeah. people and like, oh, this is this is not God. This is just man made and. Other people yeah. then saying, "Oh, we have to start a revival here," and it's like revival. You don't start revival. No, God right. starts revival when our hearts are willing to. And but to watch some of the naysayers and and different things like that was mm-hmm. you know frustrating. I'm like, I'll let God deal with them. It, yeah. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. But it's like sometimes I think a move of God doesn't always. Well, I know this. A move of God always looks different than what we expect it to in our human mind. Yeah, and it we, always divides. It, it, yeah. it will always divide. Yeah, and I, I think it's the, the wheat and the chaff kind of thing. When revival hits, if it's true revival, it separates the, the sheep from the goat, the wheat from the chaff, because the people who are afraid of revival, it's because uh, I think a lot of it comes from the, the um, mindset of we. It's unknown, so it's scary. And sometimes yeah. it is. You know, we're, uh, people are not, we're human beings. We like the same thing. We like our the same kind of food. We like the same kind of routine. And when we really get down to it, God's like, I'm not into routines. Mm. And so I think people will be afraid of revival because it, it, it's, especially, I don't know if you've seen that Jesus, uh, the Jesus movement movie, movie that just came out with, uh, Oh, the guy from The Chosen, but it, I, I haven't got to see it yet, but our church went and saw it, on, and it's, I think sometimes we're so afraid of what is going to change in what yeah. we do that we cannot, we have to be controlled. Yeah. yeah. And I think that where the control comes in is where the Holy Spirit stops moving. Yeah. It's like, God, I'll give you this amount of time, but if we go over an hour and a half on a Sunday service... Mm you can't move that long because we want people to get out or, Hey, there's football playing in the afternoon. People want to get home to watch it or, or, or something like yeah. that. So yeah, I, I feel like we have to let go of our control or our mm. not, not that we're trying to control things, but our idea of how a service should look or how a, uh, a Wednesday or midweek service should look or how a Sunday evening morning yeah. service should look and just say, God, do what you want to do with it. If you want yeah. us to, to lay hands on people for an hour. Yeah. And people are getting healed and set free. Then yeah. if that's what we do in the mornings, that's what we do in the mornings. Or if you want us to, to worship you for an hour, yeah, we just have to be willing to say yes and, and yeah. be able to, to understand and sense where God is moving and allow mm. him just to flow. Because we yeah. can't control the Holy Spirit. I mean, in, yeah. in, 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 we can't control the Holy Spirit, but we can control what he does mm. within a certain... Uh, you know meter of where we are because we can just say nope we're, we're going to be done doing that and the holy spirit's like i was primed and ready to move you right at the cusp of <laughs> of, of breakthrough yeah. and i yeah. feel that's like sometimes i feel like we're right at that that peak of falling mm. over the edge through into that breakthrough into that deliverance into that mm. moment of revival in our hearts and sometimes mm. we just we don't go over the edge mm. and it's hard to watch sometimes and mm. And you get home, and then the Holy Spirit conviction, like you were right close. You just needed that one more, that one more thing, or that that little more time. You should have waited and tarried. And it's like, mm, yeah, yeah. should have yeah. paid attention a little bit better. But yeah, yeah. I think 
the the summary of I think all of this. I think watching Asbury, watching what is happening in our world. I think we had, you could have eyes to see and ears to hear what God is doing, mm. and just with with reckless abandon, just do what He's asked us to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that. I, I feel convinced. I felt convinced for a while we're in the grip of a slow awakening. Yeah. Um, and, and I've got a choice as to whether I act like I believe that or not. And I yeah. think I think the the, the, the response is I, I am. I'm going to choose to to act like we are. We, there's an awakening. Certainly in the UK, I feel like there's an awakening happening. It's coming. Yeah. There's almost nothing that can stop it. That's what it feels like to me, mm-hmm. but it isn't going to be necessarily how we expect it to be. It's certainly not going to be comfortable or convenient um, because the country's in a very challenging place, and that's not going to change anytime soon. Yeah. Um, so the shaking, the shaking that's happening all the time, every week there's a new shaking. Hey, thanks for joining us for this episode. If you want to find out more about Rich's Ministry and Open Heaven Church, Links are in the description, and if you like this episode, share it with somebody. I know it will encourage them, inspire revival in them, so like it, share it with everybody you know. We'll see you next time. God bless.